Merry Christmas, everybody. So I have to tell you a little story that when I first became a follower of Jesus, literally just a few months after that, I was fumbling around. I was struggling. I don't know what your experience was, but I had not, I'd given my heart to Jesus. I got baptized at First Baptist Church Post, Texas by Dr. Reese, God burst his soul. And it was a beautiful moment, a beautiful experience. Then I graduated that next weekend. And so I was done with high school, relocated to Lubbock, and did not have a church, family, or home. And so I was invited to a church, and I started attending. And it was actually really interesting. It was a Baptist church. It was very traditional. There was no contemporary worship or whatnot. But there was a student group that got together and they, the first time I met all of them, they had guitars and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, it kind of got my attention. And they were playing songs they had written. So they weren't your typical just hymns or choruses. They were actually writing songs. I was really impressed. And so it was an easy connect for me. But up to that point, there was nothing. There was sort of a no man's land from the time I stepped over the line until I began to meet them. So my very last Christmas... Uh, as an 18-year-old, and then subsequently New Year's Eve, was just a really difficult time. My parents had gone through a divorce, my dad had remarried, and me and my stepmother were not hitting it off. It was rough, just a rough, and so it was an awkward Christmas, and then an awkward New Year's Eve. And so that New Year's Eve, uh, here I was, 18, about to turn 19 in one month. And I, I called up my friend Randy, and I said, you got to get me out of here. I don't want to hang around here tonight. i the awkwardness was just too much. And here's the thing. As a new follower of Jesus, my heart had been transformed. My mind was in that process. But again, I was a baby Christian, no discipleship, so I was floundering. I was trying to find my way. And so Randy and I did what most new Christians did. We went to a bar that night. <laughs> so there was a hotel that had a band playing. He'd heard about it. And so we went to watch this band and drink some champagne and ring in the new year. And here I was sitting there as a brand new Christian back in a scene that I had gotten out of. And I'm sitting there looking around the room. And instead of just being enjoying it, I was actually miserable. But I was also full of compassion. Because when you show up in a place where you used to be inebriated the whole time you were there, and now you're not anymore, and God's transformed your heart, you're seeing through a different lens. It was literally as though I'd put on different glasses and walked into the same place, but it didn't look the same, didn't feel the same. And I remember just having compassion watching people, and my heart was broken for them. And I said, and I remember talking to Randy about it, and I was like, okay, this isn't any good either. I, I'm just, I'm miserable. And so I... After that night, we, we left, they, they rang the new year in, and here I was about to turn 19 years of age, and I thought, well, here's the thing. The world doesn't have the answers I'm looking for. I haven't found a church, but I just started meeting these people from this one church, and I said, I, I'm going to go to where I think somebody might have some answers. And as a brand new Christian, not raised in church at all, the only thing I knew was to go to church because at least they're talking about Jesus. I became that kid that showed up early and left late. I was the only young person coming to the Wednesday night prayer, prayer service with all the blue-haired ladies. 
And yet I had long hair. I had a, all I had were rock and roll t-shirts from all the concerts I'd been to. And I was just that rough kid showing up, but I was hungry for God and I wasn't finding answers anywhere else. And so I sat there. On Sundays, I tolerated the organ and piano music. You have to understand, I was raised a musician, raised in rock world. Then I get saved, and I have no, I didn't know a single hymn. I did know Amazing Grace because I'd heard Willie Nelson or somebody sing at one point. But I didn't know hymns. And so that was, I was literally stepping onto a lunar landscape. I might as well have been on the moon. But here's the thing. I found life in that church. I found people that came around me, and even though I was vastly different from them and there was a massive generation gap, they were sweet to me and kind to me and patient with me, and I began to find that my hope is in Jesus, the groom, but I'm kind of like in the bride, too. And I found myself falling in love with the church. And I remember the first time I got up and played my guitar in church, and I sang, and I'm sure it was nothing like they'd ever heard before. And they were so kind and so sweet and so generous, and, and I found myself finding life there in that place. And God began to do a work in my heart. And I was that kid that showed up early. I was the one going to the pastor and the staff and saying, do you need a room move? Do you need chairs stacked? Do you need... Somebody clean. Uh, what do you need? Because I just want to be here. And so while I was doing, doing my other job, I was working my dad at the time, I spent all my time at the church. And I was just looking for an opportunity to plug in. So fast forward all these years later, and now what I read on a lot of social media platforms is how bad the church is. There's a lot of church bashing going around around now. And you know what? There's been some... <laughs> There's been some bad things that have happened in the name of Jesus in churches. Amen? Amen. There has. And the problem is, is we are the church. Right. And I always tell people who bash, I'm like, you might as well just look in the mirror, bro, because you, you are the church. Yeah. You know, it, it's, I, I remember when Barney Fife was looking for the police. He said, we need to call the police. And, and his compadre said, we are the police. People are calling out for a church and a revolution, and no doubt we need an awakening, do we not? We do need to awaken to the truth that already is, that we are Christ in us, the hope of glory. We need an awakening, and I'm crying out for that and praying for that. But let me tell you, I will not be numbered among those who bash the church. Because the bride is spotted and messed up because we're spotted and messed up. But the church is the hope for this world. And God has a plan for the church. And I want you to know something. God moves through the church. We've talked about how God moves through people. He moves through circumstances. He moves in various things, but he also moves through his church. Don't rule her out. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't do a designer religion and just say, we're going to only do it here and only do it here. Could it be that this messed up community of people is on purpose. That God puts people in your path that are not so much fun and not so difficult and a lot not like you because there are some things that need to be worked out in you. And so this community, as diverse and crazy as it is, is also just as beautiful in the eyes of God. 
I love getting to know other pastors. I love fellowshipping with other churches. I'm doing, I did coffee with Tommy last week, Russell. I'm doing, I'm doing coffee with John Cruz at the New Life Assembly Church. I love meeting and fellowshipping with pastors and getting to know them because every one of them has a backstory that you know not of. All you see is one dimension. They may be up here like me, teaching and preaching. That's all you really know. You don't know their story and how they got there. And it would behoove you to find out what the bigger story is and begin to see people in 3D, including pastors and staff and teams and leaders, because there's a backstory there. But I found that I loved the church. And you have to know something. That church that I became a part of as a new follower of Jesus went through a horrendous, angry split while I was there. A few months, new Christian, and one Wednesday night, they had these things called business meetings. You remember those? Woo, that was like a knockdown drag out. And here I was, this new young Christian, and there was a microphone at the front of the room, and people started walking up. I didn't know anything was going on. I was clueless. And people started walking up to the front of the room. And I wondered why there was such a great crowd that night. I'm like, I've been coming to Bible study, I mean, a prayer meeting here. And we got, you know, 50 people on a good night. There's like 300 people in this room. Wow, this is going to be amazing. What I didn't know is it was going to be a pastor roast. And they walked up and there were a couple microphones at the front. And people one by one would walk up and just start saying horrible things about my pastor. Now, I'm a brand new Christian hearing this. I'm like, oh, what just happened here? I thought this was the answer for the world. This is the church, the body of Christ. And I watched an entire youth student ministry just fall apart. People upset and angry. And I, saw, and I, I remember, of course, after that meeting, you can imagine all the conversations that were going. There was a buzz in the air. And people were coming, are you staying? Are you staying? I'm like, where would I go? I love these people. Why would I leave these people? Because of this. And I had the presence of mind as a brand new believer to realize this was just some people that were mad. This wasn't the church. This was people. And I separated the beauty of the bride from the brokenness of people. And God put that in me from the very beginning. And that's why I'm not mad, I'm not jaded, I'm not hardened, I'm still tender, I still cry over you. There you go. I still cry over you. And it still hurts when things don't go well, or when someone leaves, and I don't know why it still hurts. And I'm glad I'm still tender after all these years, 36, 37 years in this thing, and I still feel it all. And I don't ever want that to change in my life. I want to experience the bride of Christ, not just be a leader who's at a distance. And so if it means getting hurt, I'll take it. I'll take it. God moves through the church. I love this picture from Walt Disney production of Chronicles of Narnia. How many of you have been through the wardrobe? Anybody know what I'm talking about? The wardrobe is that part of that story that's so amazing. It's transitioning from one world to another. And when, when Lucy went through the wardrobe the first time, she spilled out into a frozen tundra. And that was actually the world as it is, but it was under a curse of the white witch. 
Very much a type and shadow of this world, a fallen world that we live in, that's under a curse, and yet it has a strange beauty and allure to it, but yet it's under a curse. And in that amazing story, she meets all kinds of characters, Mr. Timnus, and then meets the Beaver family, and Mr. Beaver makes this awesome statement. And remember Aslan as a type and shadow, a figure of God, the king, king of the forest, king of the world. And Mr. Beaver says, Aslan is on the move. And that was in the middle of a frozen tundra in the darkest of times. Aslan is on the move. There was hope. There was hope. But I want you to know something. There's hope because the church is not dead and gone. Now, she may have different forms. And I'm telling you, I'm very broad in this. And I, I believe there are different expressions. I believe when God looks down on Fredericksburg, he doesn't see... He doesn't see Bridge Church. He sees the church of Fredericksburg. He sees all of us, one church, but with various and many expressions. It's why a diamond is so beautiful. It's multifaceted. And each of those facets cast a different light. And there's beauty to that. And that's what this is. Any community you're in, there's, the, there's one church that have all these amazing facets I want you to know something. Aslan is on the move. Amen. And I want you to know something. God's moving in our midst That's right. here in Fredericksburg. There is such a beautiful thing going on among pastors and ministry leaders in our community that the church is beginning to come together as one, not as all these separate things going on, but we're coming together, calling each other, having coffee together, doing life together, spending time together, trash-talking one another. You know pastors are getting long when they can trash-talk and laugh. It's a beautiful thing. I'm I, just so grateful for what God is doing here. And I'm telling you, it's setting the stage for an awakening. The church is coming alive, family. Man, don't miss the wave. Don't just be caught sitting on your board where wave after wave goes under you and you don't catch it. Catch the wave and let's go together. Listen to this word move. To go to another place in a continuous motion. God, Aslan, is on the move. To act, to dislodge or displace from a fixed position. I love that one. How many of you have been dislodged at one time or another? Or displaced? From a fixed position. Amen. To rouse up from inactivity. God is on the move. Aslan is on the move. Jesus is on the move because here's the deal. During this season, we celebrate this. Jesus who put on an earth suit and he moved into the neighborhood. He came to this earth for you and I. He is here. He's on the move. And it's exciting because what does he want to do? And what would he dare to do through you and me for our world? Listen to this. In John chapter 1, verse 10, we've been going through John chapter 1, and we're up to verse 10 now. We're just doing this just in an expository way, verse by verse. Listen to this. He, Jesus, was in the world. Remember, he, he, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He came to this earth, and look what it says. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. That'd be like Pinocchio not understanding about his own maker, his own creator. But Jesus came to this earth, to this world, and the world did not even recognize him. 
So I want you to watch what happens and how John develops this passage. Interesting note about John when he wrote this book, he didn't write it in Israel. He actually wrote it in Ephesus. Because Israel, this was about the time around 70 AD when Titus the king came in and committed what was known as the abomination of desolation. He desecrated the temple, destroyed it, took it down stone upon stone and turned it to rubble. Remember what Jesus said about that temple? Tear it down in three days, what? Our rebuild, he was talking about his own self, his own temple. They thought he was talking about the physical temple. He was talking about his own. So because of that turmoil, because of what was going on and how volatile the political and the scene was, then John and the other apostles and disciples were in other places. They had been displaced, and they were there. So he writes from that, and he writes this. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And you know what today? The world is still not recognizing Jesus. Although, although I'm seeing, I'm seeing promises of awakening. When we were in Colorado Springs a few weeks ago at the John Eldridge Ransom Heart event, if you've been to Colorado Springs, Colorado Springs is that almost place. You're almost to the mountains. You can see Pikes Peak, a 14er right there, but you're not quite there. You're still in the desert. You're still in the plains. It's not a beautiful community. You're almost there. And that's what I believe about us is that we're almost there. It's like we can see Pikes Peak. We can see the 14er. We can see the hills. We can see Manitou Springs and the incline going up. We're almost there, but not quite. But we are getting there. Amen? We're heading up. So here's what it says. The world didn't recognize him. Now look at this. His own people. So it says this. He came to that which was his own but his own did not receive him. The world didn't recognize him. His own people, the Jewish people, did not receive him. Not recognized, not received. For most of us, because we tend to be subject to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that need to belonging is a big driver in our life. And the fact that he wasn't recognized and he wasn't received, most of us, that put us in a fetal position on a Monday morning. But thank God... That God is secure and understands there's a meta-narrative. There's a bigger plan going on. And not daunted and not held back, he forged through. Look what it says. He came to that which is his own, but his own did not receive him. Now, interesting. Yet, or but, to all who received him. So even though his own didn't, somebody did. Who might that be? It's the Gentiles. What an amazing thing. He came to his own people. They didn't receive him, but he didn't stop there. And the Gentiles, who in the book of John are grafted into the vine, suddenly an awakening happens. Eyes are opened, and the Gentiles begin to see. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name. So some didn't recognize, some didn't receive but to those who believed in his name. And that has not changed, by the way. Right. You may be here today and you have never actually stepped over the line and gone all in with Jesus. You've never given your heart to him. You've never actually received him. You've never actually believed on his name. Let me tell you, me as that young new Christian trying to find my way, not making it perfect, not, not doing it just right, messing up, making mistakes, falling. Let me tell you something. God loved me as much on my worst day 
at 18 years of age as a new Christian messing it all up as he did on my best day of my best day of my life. I'm telling you, God sitting on a throne called grace loves me on my worst day. Here's good news for you. On your worst day, he loves you. If you have received, you have believed, you've recognized, you've believed on his name, let me tell you something. You're in a forever family called the church, which he calls the bride of Christ. And it's through this church that he's going to work. Yet to all receive him. To those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He enabled us to become sons and daughters. When this truth dropped for me that I was a son, not just a servant or a slave. I remember being in, in traditional church setting. We prided ourselves on saying, I'm a servant of God. I'm, I'm a servant. Lord, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. And the whole time... Abba Father, my good, good Father, was telling me, look, I don't want you as a servant. I want you as a friend. I want you as a son. I want to relate to you. I want to have union with you. I want to have fellowship with you. We're so caught up in the relationship, just getting saved and not burning in hell, that we forget there's a whole fellowship piece to this. There's a sense of knowing Him, loving Him, walking with Him, hearing His voice. Isaiah 30 says, you'll hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whether you turn to the right hand or to the left, that's walking in intimacy with him so that you actually know what the next step is going to be. Why? Because you hear that word behind you ordering your steps. You walk with him. That's called fellowship. I'm not satisfied with just getting a get out of hell free card. I want to know him. Paul said it in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him, nosco, to know in my knower, to know by experience, that I may know him. The power, the fellowship of his sufferings, the power of his resurrection, both ends of the spectrum, I want to know him fully in fellowship of his sufferings and in power. Fellowship through the church. Listen to this. He says this. We became, we're given the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Jesus said, you must be born from above. John chapter 3, you must be born again. My question for you, family, is this, because I don't want to ever assume in a room this size. And a lot of you I don't know, so I have to ask an honest question. Are you born again? Have you stepped over the line and said, Jesus, I give you my life. Whatever it is, warts and all, scars and all, wounds and all, brokenness and all, mistakes and all, I give you everything that I am. If you can make something of it, I give it to you. Have you stepped over the line? Have you gone all in? Have you made this step to receive him? Well, you're going to get an opportunity here in just a couple of minutes. Listen to this. Through the church. His intent, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That's the demonic stuff going on. That's the dark stuff. That's the white witch. That through the church, through the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the wisdom of God, the multifaceted, manifold, multifaceted wisdom of God is going to be known. In other words, Jesus is Lord. God is the King of kings. And look at this. 
and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose. He had this planned out, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus. So in and through Jesus Christ, now the wisdom of God is made known to every demonic power. You're going down. How dare you come against one of my chosen, one of my beloved, one of my elect, one of my sons, one of my daughters, one of my children. Let me tell you something. Our God is big. Aslan is on the move, and he is fighting for us. He is fighting for you as a child. Listen to this out of Ephesians 3. In him, in Christ, and through faith in him, we may approach God. Look at this. Freedom and confidence. How often do I talk to people who love God, who've walked with him for years, but still they have this terror. They have this unhealthy fear of God that because they made a mistake 15 years ago, because they had a bad day last week, that somehow they're just on the verge of getting thumped off the planet. How heartbreaking is that? How heartrending is that to think that God, a good father, an Abba father, a good father who loves us so much is just waiting for us to make a mistake just so he can slap your hand with a proverbial ruler. So he can slap the law on you. How tragic is that? Let me tell you, that's not my heavenly father. I don't know about yours, but I'm telling you, my heavenly father is crazy about me. He's nuts about me. He loves what I love. And he, he helps, he gives me desires to love something, whether it's music or worship or praise or whatever. He loves what I love. What is that? Is that arrogance? No, it's agreement with God's word. It's finding life in this thing and saying, how can I not smile? How can I not have joy? How can I not be excited when my father loves me? Wow. You know, I'm thankful for my earthly dad. He's in his 80s now. He's getting frail, and he's just, man, he's, just, he's always been a good man to me. But, oh, my heavenly Father, wow. Wow. And here's how I get to come to him. Freedom and confidence. I don't have to cower. I don't have to, I don't have to be in shame and condemnation and guilt and defeat I can come before him, and the Bible calls it righteous. You know what the word righteous means? It means literally, I can come before God upright. I come with honor. I come with honor. Honor where honors do. But I don't come cowering like a puppy with my tail between my legs. I come before him with confidence and freedom. And let me give you this scripture too. Look at this. Let us then approach the throne of grace. What kind of throne does God sit on? A throne of condemnation. A throne of guilt. Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Notice it says now. Now, right now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You've stepped over the line. You believe. You received, you recognized, you believed on the name. You can now come before God with freedom and confidence. Look what it says. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Other translations, New King James, Old King James, says boldness. It's actually a spirit of audacity. You come in audacious and bold before God, and here's what we get from the throne of grace. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help. 
in our time of need. Did you know there's a place you can come in freedom and confidence and boldness and all you're going to get is mercy and grace to help? You know what the word grace means there? It means power. It's God's power, God's strength, God's ability, God's favor, God's authority to do what you cannot in and of yourself do. That is grace. Grace is not passive. It is active in nature. It's powerful. Jesus was full of grace and truth. They're not on opposite ends of the spectrum, by the way. They don't offset one another. They're both and. But that grace is power. And the throne of grace is a throne of power that we come before through the church. Through the church, we get to be this. And we get to help others. Are we perfect? Do we have it all together? If you're perfect, you probably don't belong here. I'm just saying, there's a sign on the wall. What does it say? No perfect people allowed. You can't see it, but we know it's there. No perfect people allowed. Why? Because we don't have it all figured out this side. But oh, for the grace of God, there's a throne of grace that we can go to and that you can go to. And let me, let me what, what does the church do? What does she do? She functions. She grows together. She learns together. She fosters the next generation of worship leaders and pastors and teachers and, and those who are going to lead children and, and, and actually grow this thing so that the kingdom advances in our time. And so let me ask you a question. What are you doing? Are you involved? Are you connected? Are you in, are you, have you found a group yet? Have you found a connect group? We have 23 connect groups. There's probably one meeting in your area and probably one you can find time-wise. We're doing our Christmas party on Tuesday night. I can hardly wait to hang out with my connect group. Have you found a group? Let me ask you this. Are you serving? Are you involved? And listen, let me tell you about serving. What, that's such a neat thing. Serving isn't about getting the church to do stuff as, as, a, as a whole. Serving is actually for us who serve. I get to serve the church. I get to do this. Let me tell you, when I was a brand new follower of Jesus, I was the kid that was the first to show up, last to leave, and in between I was like, what needs to be done? And it was always my privilege to serve because I got to hang out with other Christians, imperfect people just like me. Children's ministry. Can you imagine... You being back in children's ministry, don't laugh. Can you imagine you being back there once a month and all you do is you're investing and you're actually modeling what it means to be a follower of Jesus as a man. What it means to be a follower of Jesus as a woman. What it means to be a follower of Jesus as a teenager. And you're back there not to get out of the worship service. You're back there because you believe in the next generation. So what's holding you back from connecting? What's holding you back from serving? Through the church. I'm not a church basher. You probably figured that out by now. And you know what? We've got reason to be. We've been hurt bad <laughs> through the years. It's been brutal sometimes. But I made up my mind a long time ago that the church is intact, although not all people are. And I've separated that out. So I'm going to invite you to do something. Would you pray and ask the Lord, what would you have me do at Bridge Church? What do you want me to do? In the spirit of the Christmas season, I triple dog dare you to ask that question. 
I'm not going to ask you to stick your tongue to a frozen pole or anything. But would you pray about that? What can I do? How can I serve? How can I get involved? If God tells you something, come tell me or Annette or Russ or Jason or Crystal or any of us. Just come say, hey, I want to make a hand. In fact, we've got these handy serve cards we printed up just for this occasion. These are out here at our Connect booth, our Connect Center. Just pick one up. It tells what's going on, what you can get involved with. We'd love to have you get involved. But I have to be honest with you. It's as much for you as it is for all of us because God wants you. He wants you involved. Amen? I'm going to invite our worship team to come up. We're going to go out with worship. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, what a privilege. What a privilege to walk with you and to be a part of the bride of Christ, to be a part of the body of Christ. What a privilege. I thank you, God. I can truly honestly say that so much of who I am in my spiritual life and my walk with Jesus has beca- has, is because of what you have done in me through the church. And I am so grateful. I'm not mad. I'm not jaded. I'm excited because I think the future is so bright. We've got to wear shades around here. So I'm excited about what you're up to. Father, I ask that you would release grace over our church family. People to find life and hope here. We are the body of Christ. called to be Jesus. Building bridges of life and hope. Where we live, where we work, and where we play. If you're here this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed... And you need to step over the line. You haven't quite gone all in. It's like Colorado Springs. You can see the mountains. You just hadn't got there yet. I want to invite you to take a step toward Jesus today. Maybe you just have a question. Maybe you just need prayer. I want our worship team to go, I mean, our prayer team to go ahead and come up. And they're going to be up here after the service. We're going to be up here. If you want to talk to us about anything, we're here to, to, to minister life to you, hope to you. Not out of our perfection, but out of our, out of our own life. And so if you have a need at anything, prayer, maybe you want to take a step towards Jesus. Maybe you're ready to step over the line and say, I give my heart to Jesus. I just want somebody to pray with that. Pray for that with me. We're here to do that. Or maybe you want to connect. Maybe you want to go deeper. Maybe you want to find a group. Maybe you want to connect. And, and, and in a ministry area, we're here for that as well. Whatever it is, the Lord's putting on your heart. At least act on it. Take a step. Father, we love you. We honor you. I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for this church. I'm grateful for the bridge, what you're doing here. Thankful for our heritage coming out of Oak Hills and 10 years of doing life together. I'm thankful for spiritual family. We honor you in this. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen and amen.